Hello, it's David here. Thanks for listening to The Leader. If you've been here before, why not subscribe? We've got loads of interesting interviews and features coming up this week, so make sure you don't miss any of them. And give us a rating too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsden. Compulsory face masks in shops are coming, but not for 10 days. The British Medical Association has very strongly criticised this 10-day delay. The BMA Council Chair has even said it risks spreading the virus even more and even endangering lives. Our Deputy Political Editor, Nicola Cecil, on the Health Chief's warning the law must be changed now. And it's not just a lockdown that is contributing to this weakness. There's a whole bunch of things which are kind of linked to COVID-19, but not directly linked to lockdown. Um, another course means that there's a you know, pretty serious headwind in front of us, irrespective of what the government announces in terms of where you can go shopping. Economist Stephen King, as it's revealed up to four million jobs could be lost by the end of the year. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, get your face mask on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hello. Today I'd like to talk to you about how to wear a non-medical mask. This video from the World Health Organization was released just over a month ago on the day they advised people to wear masks in public. Place the mask on your face, covering your nose, mouth and chin, making sure there are no gaps between your face and the mask. That was June 5th. Today, July 14th, the UK government announced that it'll be compulsory to wear masks in shops in England or you'll risk a £100 fine. At least it will from July 24th. That's 10 days away. Some health bosses and at least one retail chain are not happy about the delay, but our editorial column says it's not just the politicians to blame. In March, the Deputy Medical Officer, Dr Jenny Harries, told us that wearing a face mask was not a good idea. Politicians followed that advice, and even as masks became universal in lots of other big developed countries, Britain remained uncovered. Either masks were pointless and the rest of the world was making a mistake, or they work and we were wrong. Now we know the answer. 
From the end of next week, masks will be needed in enclosed spaces, such as shops, though oddly not for shop workers. They almost certainly stop infection spreading, so that's a good idea, but why did it take so long? Sure, blame the politicians, but why did the advice from our scientists lead us the wrong way? Our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil, is with me. Nicholas, why do we need this 10-day delay? Why can't we just start this immediately? Well, the government says the delay is to allow shops to prepare for the new measure. And also, it will presumably also allow people to go out and buy masks if they need to. But the government has been criticised over this 10-day delay. And this comes after initial confusion for several days over what the exact policy was. First of all, Boris Johnson signalled at the end of last week that a stricter approach to wearing face coverings in shops was coming into force. Michael Gove then on Sunday came out very strongly against the compulsory wearing of face masks in in stores. Then on Monday, we had the Justice Secretary, Robert Buckland, saying his view was that it should be, quote, mandatory perhaps. By Monday evening, this was all getting far clearer, but it's only in 10 days' time on July the 24th. Now, the British Medical Association has very strongly criticised this 10-day delay. Dr Chan Nagpal, who's uh, the BMA Council Chair, has even said it risks spreading the virus even more and even endangering lives by not doing this immediately. The head of JD Sports, Peter Cowgill also says the delay up to the 24th is, in his words, quite confusing. So basically the government finally managed to come to a decision, but then like so many of its other policies on COVID, it seems to delay actually introducing them. Yeah, the government has been accused of being too slow for for a number of reasons to do with coronavirus and, and COVID-19. Is that yet another criticism that's coming its way this time. Yes, there certainly seems to be a pattern here that the Westminster government seems to be following in the footsteps of of many other countries who seem to be taking more decisive action. For example, Scotland brought the the measure on mandatory wearing of face coverings in shops in on July the 10th. So England will be two weeks later. And the government has also been accused of being too slow over imposing lockdown, too slow in doing the right thing to protect care homes, too slow over ordering enough personal protective equipment for NHS workers and care workers. And as um, the former chief scientific advisor, Sir David King, says, in his view, every one of these decisions is coming extraordinarily late. And he adds, as soon as shots were open to us, they should have been put in place. So there definitely seems to be a, a pattern of, for some reason, the government not being able to act quickly enough and, and also not being clear in its messaging. But the government has been defending itself. George Eustace, the Environment Secretary, was doing the rounds this morning, wasn't he? Yes, um, George Eustace is, is normally a, a very safe pair of hands and he was explaining why... Why the 10-day delay had been introduced to allow retailers to, to have some time to put in place the necessary measures. But a, a, again, we saw the mixed messaging today, this morning, because we saw Michael Gove going to a coffee shop and not wear a mask. And at the same time, his cabinet colleague, 
Liz Truss in the same coffee shop actually wearing one. So again, confusion and, and mixed messaging. Next. The Economist consensus for what was going to happen in May was a rise in GDP of more like 5.5%. So what we actually saw was significantly weaker than expected. And those expectations themselves were frankly pretty depressed. Economist Stephen King, just how bad does the UK's financial future look? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Britain's economy watchdog, the Office for Budget Responsibility, has released its report into the costs of the coronavirus pandemic and the UK's finances have cratered. Every bit of growth since 2002 has been wiped out. Up to four million jobs across the country could be lost. So how do we get out of this? The economist Stephen King is with me. And Stephen, the government was hoping for a kind of V-shaped recovery. What happened to that? Well, the good news is that there was a slight increase in GDP in May. Um, So there was an increase in national income, so to speak. The bad news is that the increase was tiny compared with the drop in April. So the gain of 1.8% in May, I mean, in normal circumstances, you might say that's that's absolutely fine. But after a 20.3% drop in April, it still means that we're basically bumping along the bottom of the collapse that's been inspired by COVID-19. Now, to be fair, um, obviously, a lot of the lockdown ended not in May, but rather in, in June, or indeed in early July. So if you look at the pattern that we've seen in uh, continental European countries, uh, where the bounce backs have generally come after the lockdown itself has ended, you might say, well, it's no surprise that May itself has been weak. We'll have to wait until June or July to see the full evidence coming through of the rebound that you know, ideally the government and the Bank of England would like to see. But I think also it's worth stressing that it's not just the lockdown that is contributing to this weakness, it's also the fact that consumers are no longer as confident as they were, they're not quite so keen to go out to restaurants and bars and so on as they might have been in the past. They're not quite so keen to get on an aeroplane and go on holiday. There's a whole bunch of things which are kind of linked to COVID-19, but not directly linked to lockdown. Um, and that, of course, means there's a you know, pretty serious headwind in front of us, irrespective of what the government announces in terms of where you can go shopping. Is it encouraging that there was growth 
at all? Does it show that those areas like construction, which came out of lockdown a little bit earlier, have been able to contribute something? And then maybe, and I might be being optimistic here, Stephen, but maybe as other things come out of lockdown, as people start returning to city centres, we might see a sharper recovery. Oh, I think we'll certainly see a sharper recovery than we've seen so far. Again, it comes back to this idea that um, the recovery can't really get going until lockdown ends. And of course, that takes you to late June and early July. So I think it's, in one sense, not particularly reasonable to think you're going to have a, a big rebound very, very early on. But having said that, economists forecast for what they're worth, and they're often not worth a great deal. Uh, but the economists' consensus for what was going to happen in May was a rise in GDP of more like five and a half percent. So what we actually saw was significantly weaker than expected. And those expectations themselves were frankly, pretty depressed. So there's no doubt that um, the economy itself is in a pretty miserable situation. Having said that, the big test really is not so much what happens through the second quarter, but rather what begins to take place in the third quarter and beyond. Obviously, as the lockdowns end, you'd expect to see uh, better news coming through. You know, the good news, in theory, should be that uh, as lockdowns end, uh, the third quarter really ought to be you know, better than the second quarter. And you can only look on the, the high street and restaurants and so on to realise that finally people are you know, coming out of their homes and beginning to go back to a social routine that you might associate with a pre-COVID world. Of course, the huge uncertainty now is is what happens with the epidemiology and whether we get, if you like, a second wave of infection as lockdowns end. And the problem here, of course, is is that we're seeing exactly that in other parts of the world, uh, whether it's, say, Israel, which locked down very, very early, uh, seemed to have the virus under control, but things have rebounded very badly over the course of the last few weeks, or whether, most obviously, it's some of those US states, because although New York has made significant progress, other parts of the US, of course, have seen almost an exponential increase in infections over the last few weeks. So you know, the, the truth of the matter is that Whatever economists say, there is as yet no cure for the virus and the virus is still able to spread as and when lockdown. And is the added uncertainty from a word that I haven't said for quite a while now, but Brexit, Stephen, the possibility of a hard Brexit with a new deal this Christmas, costs of new customs rules with the EU, could that affect things as well? Yes. I mean, it's amazing how Brexit disappeared off the sort of news wires and the headlines almost entirely in the first half of the year. Um, and of course, behind the scenes, negotiations have carried on. And, you know, I suspect if, if the government is thinking in the kind of almost a Machiavellian way, it might take the view that COVID-19 is so ghastly in terms of its economic impact that whatever additional impact comes from Brexit, it'll be sort of camouflaged, uh, eclipsed almost by the impact of COVID-19. So we'll never know um, what the impact in addition, was from Brexit compared with everything else. Now, of course, it may be that Brexit means that the UK struggles to recover as quickly as perhaps some of the continental European countries might recover if there is this uncertainty at the border uh, that suddenly reappears. But overall, I think that um, the scale of the loss with COVID-19 is so great that, in that sense, Brexit appears to be a relatively small blip. And that's The Leader. You can get more on these stories in the newspaper or online at standard.co.uk. The Leader is back tomorrow at 4pm.